Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. This month, we're working on the theory, and I think it's a good one, that we all have a life's purpose, a soul's purpose, if you will. And last week, we talked about the idea of this soul's purpose, even lasting beyond a single lifetime into whatever perhaps came before our birth and whatever is going to happen next. Still, our soul has continuity to it, and it has a purpose to it. And we talked a little bit about that purpose being more of a being than a doing last week. It's not so much what we do, but how we show up, what we represent, what we stand for. And the doing, of course, can take many forms, but but the essence of it was, what are we being? What do we stand for? And you'll remember, I, I even had a little bit of audience participation. Maybe that's why there aren't that many people here today. I might have scared them. I don't know. But we actually had a couple of people come up, and pretty quickly, I think, we could get at what their life's purpose was. And I prepared a kind of a, a cheat sheet for you. In fact, in your programs, you'll notice that there is a thing called God Qualities and Purposes and Their Human Expression. And if you're online on our website, you'll, you'll see a link to download this too, if you like. But I was struck by the idea that a lot of times people don't know that God even has a purpose. And so how can we think of ourselves as living purposefully if maybe we don't even understand what some of the purposes that God has? Now, I'm not talking about kismet here. I'm not talking about God has a plan for us. But what I am here to suggest is that what God is, is what God does. And so when we say something like God is love, what God's plan is for there to be more love. When we say that God is peace, or God is abundance, or God is joy, it's not just some static thing, although God is that. It's also how God expresses itself in the world. And so if we were to say that God has a soul's purpose, it's no more and no less than what God is. So God's purpose is love. God is love. God's purpose is peace. God is peace. And so we really don't need to look any further than the qualities of God when we contemplate how we might enact our own soul's purpose. Are you following me here? And when we act on behalf of God, boy, I have good news for you. When we are showing up as God's love, when we are showing up as God's peace, when we are showing up as the joy that is God or the abundance that is God or the order or the beauty that is God, God is right there with us with with all of the support of the entire universe. Have you ever had that experience when you're working on something and it just seems like everything is going your way? It just seems like you couldn't do anything wrong in that particular endeavor. Well, that is because you have found a place where you are acting on behalf of God truly. And suddenly the song seems to write itself. Suddenly the activity seems to be blessed and supported in ways that you could not have imagined. And that is because you're not just acting as yourself, your your humanness, 
You're actually an emissary. You're actually acting on behalf of Spirit. It's as though God is working through your hands, through your hearts, through your deeds. And that's why the deed itself, the activity itself, almost is less important than the who you are and what you're standing for. And so I did prepare this little list over on the right-hand side where it says the human expression. These are the things that we become involved with in the human world. So let's look down at love, for instance, on the list. On the human side, God's love shows up as affection, appreciation, devotion, fondness, friendship, infatuation, intimacy, lust, passion, tenderness, right? That's how we experience love. And when we are engaged in those kinds of activities, it's not surprising that we feel supported. Because in many ways, we are acting on behalf of spirit. Let's look at just at one more here. In fact, you'll remember last week I, I picked on uh, someone in the congregation, Brad, and he said, we were talking about his life's purpose, and he said, well, you know, I don't know that I necessarily have a life's purpose. And I asked him what he enjoyed doing, and he said, well, he enjoyed being with his wife, he enjoyed eating good food, he enjoyed uh, experiencing the fun of life. So let's look at joy here. So on the human expression right? There's amusement, bliss, comfort, delight, elation, glee, humor. Those were all of the things that he values. Those were all of the things that he stood for. And so it's not a leap of, of any kind of faith to say his purpose on the planet, or at least one of them, is joy, joy for himself and joy for others. He said how much he enjoyed bringing love and joy into his family and his wife's life. So when we think about our soul's purpose, we don't need to be real elaborate here. We don't need to have this giant plan of, uh, of healing all of the sickness in the world. We don't necessarily have to have a plan like a business plan of exactly how we're going to go and take care of something. Rather, the fact that we would stand for something like joy, the fact that we would stand for something like love, and that we would make our decisions based on that, oh my gosh, suddenly life will go from seeming a struggle into something where you are fully supported by God itself. And I want to use myself a, a little bit as an example. Last week uh, I mentioned that I saw my sole purpose as, as both love and healing. It's, it, it's sort, sort of the ministry I do, love and, love and wholeness, if you will. And I talked a little bit about how that outpictured and that even if I'm no longer the minister here, right, it's not like I turn that off. The form may change, but the essence of who I am isn't going to change. I've been ministering all my life. I just didn't have a title to go with it, right? I, I've been that presence of love for, for 67 years now, and, uh, and it hasn't diminished. It isn't going to go away, but the form changes. And here's where the alarm clock comes into effect, I think. Has everybody traveled somewhere and had the concierge or the, the hotel operator set a wake-up call for you? You call down to the front office and say, can you wake me up at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or whatever it is? And why do you think we do that? We don't want to oversleep. And normally, because of something, we've got a purpose. 
we're busy to do something the next day. I got tickets for something or, or I have to do a presentation or whatever it is. I don't want to oversleep. Well, the author of the book that we have been using this month suggests that perhaps we've overslept. Perhaps we have allowed our life's purpose just to fade into the background while we got caught up in the stuff of life. The hustle, the bustle, the day-to-day dreariness. And, and sometimes it seems very important, doesn't it? Sometimes our busyness seems more important than life. And yet, when we allow our life's purpose to fade into the background, it's time for a wake-up call. I would like to suggest over the last two years, we've all had a profound wake-up call. Hasn't this pandemic had one blessed piece to it? I am now way more aware of what is important to me. Has anyone here not had that experience, whether it through isolation or through fear of catching something or, or whatever it was, whatever, whatever the pandemic brought up for you by way of concern or fear or isolation or wh- whatever it might have been, watching loved ones pass when you weren't there or able to be with them in the hospital room, wh- whatever might have been up for you, can you think of a better wake-up call? It has asked us to say, what do I stand for? What is important to me? What can I not do without? I can do without a lot of things. I can do without going to my favorite restaurants. I can do without seeing some of my family in person. I can do without this and I can do without that. But what it hit home to me is that my life's purpose, what is important, cannot be put on the back burner. And it has called forward in me this idea of making sure that I act upon what is important, what I do value. And I'd like to share the three things in particular that came up to me, my wake-up call through the pandemic. The first thing that I woke up to is the idea that people are more important than things. Now, I suppose I don't need to say that. I mean, we all know that instinctively, that people are more important than things. And yet, during the pandemic, when so many things were taken away from me, when it it seemed like my world got just as small as a few rooms in my house for a while, I wondered, are these things that I'm missing important? Is the fact that I can't go to my favorite restaurant really important? Is the fact that some of the stores that I like to go to are closed or, or I don't feel really safe going to them, is that important? Is the lifestyle that is a certain way, is that important? And what it came to me is take it all away. Take it all away and I will be fine as long as I have the people that I love. Now, I do know that's an intuitive thought, and yet it was brought into sharp relief for me. And when I think of some of the years, especially before I came a a minister, where I worked so hard to to create the stuff of life, a nice house to live in and a nice car, I have to tell you, I missed out on a lot of life 
in order to acquire, in order to get the stuff that I wanted, there are whole decades that I don't really have that much memory of the loving people. It was like they were the supporting characters to my career. Does that make sense? Am, am I making sense? Well, no more. I got to tell you, I learned this wake-up call. I need to work on my life's purpose. My life's purpose is love and it's wholeness. And stuff is not going to stop me anymore. The second thing that I learned through really thinking about what was going on in the pandemic through this wake-up call for me is that waiting for things to be different is not productive, <laughs> right? How many times did you say, oh my gosh, when things are back to normal, dot, 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 <laughs> right? Didn't to a degree everyone in this room put some part of their lives on hold waiting for things to get back to normal? Well, I got news for you. If this is normal, it doesn't feel that normal yet, right? It's like we waited, but we didn't need to wait. Our life's purpose is independent of what's going on on the outside, during the pandemic, I could have been 100% love and 100% wholeness, and it didn't even matter whether I came here on a Sunday and the chairs were full. I still represented those things. I still stood for those things. And oh my gosh, I learned how to do things on Zoom. I, for a while, I turned into a televangelist, right? It's like, who would have ever thought? I know you're laughing because you can't picture it. But, but I'm sitting at home, right, in front of a camera for, for some of the Sundays, right? It's because the form doesn't matter. What matters is the truth of who you are. What matters is what you represent. And the third thing that I learned during the pandemic, the third thing that I woke up to is to be okay with the form changing. Not only should I not wait for the ideal conditions, but that the conditions themselves are nearly irrelevant. What I stand for will not be sidelined. What I believe in is important to the extent that I will figure out how to do things because the what is way more important than the how and the what isn't even as important as the who. What do I stand for? Who am I? I am God's love. I am God's wholeness. And a pandemic isn't going to get in the way of that. Well, now, I have to admit, the pandemic did get away with it for a while, because for a while I was in that mode of, well, we'll just wait and see. You know, things will get back to normal. I'll get to carry my life on. I'm not very happy with the things are right now. And then suddenly I woke up. I got that wake-up call. So today I'm inviting you to the wake-up call. You've had a couple years to think about what's important. You've noticed some things that you thought were important to you that are no longer available, including some friends. I got to tell you, as a minister, there was nothing harder for me than some of our dear members of this church made their transition, and I could not be there with them. But that's not who I am. Who I am can still stand 
for what is important, regardless of what's going on on the outside. And so my prayers were from a distance. My love was from a distance. My wholeness was from a distance. And that was sufficient. And so I got to assign you some rough homework this week. I'll be bold and I'll be blunt about it. Are you asleep? Do you need the wake-up call? I think you've had it. I think over the last two years, you've already decided what's important to you, what you stand for. Is it harmony? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? You can use the little cheat sheet here if you're not sure. Just look on the right-hand side here and pick out the things that are the most important to you. And the things that are most important to you will correspond to something that is inviolable in God itself. And so if it's harmony, if it's love, if it's peace, whatever it is, that is part of what you stand for. You've had the wake-up call, and now I'm challenging you. And the challenge for this week, your homework for this week is, how can you put your divine purpose into action? It may be a way that you've never thought of before, because on the outside things change, right? We are kind of a new world coming forward. We're not ever going back to the way things were two years ago. So from the get-go, there's newness here. You can embrace it. You can try new things. You can be new things. But the assignment is both simple and hard. That is to determine why you're here on the planet and begin taking steps in that direction. Now, you might want to take that into contemplation, you might want to take that into visioning. I know Reverend Marilyn was talking about an excellent course that we have coming up around visioning. You might want to enroll in that class. You might want to do some journaling, frankly. How do I create more order and bliss in this world? You know, think again, think of some qualities of God. Think of you acting on behalf of God in this world. How do I create and share more abundance in this world? How do I give back to the planet? Whatever it might be, journaling would be a great way to do it. Contemplation, that's your assignment for this week. Well, I want to close today with a quote from the book and a prayer. So this is from You Are the Answer, Michael J. Tamura. His thesis, again, is that we have a reason for being here. He says, each wake-up call is uniquely tailored to our specific soul character and spiritual needs. It may be a call for us to love and empower ourselves and the ones around us, to serve life in some more meaningful way, or even through some particular vocation or career, to develop some untapped gift or potential to devote ourselves to a spiritual path or practice, or to pursue any of innumerable other worthy purposes. But its primary function is to turn our attention to our spiritual self and to remind us of this sole purpose for which we are here on earth now. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace, only this one thing. And what I know about this one thing is it is everything. All life, all joy, all peace, all wholeness, all love, truly all God. 
And today I claim for myself and for all of the people within the range of listening to this service, I call upon our best selves to seek out that quality of God with which we use to serve ourselves and the planet. Each one of us has that power of going within to see how we might be of service, how we might act on behalf of spirit. And so I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful in the knowledge that each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us is on the path towards revealing more of that sacred heritage. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad to have you here. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you to take your gift or your tithe. If you're online, you can go to cslportland.org slash donate and make a contribution. If you'd like, just repeat after me. Graciously I give. From a place of love. Knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.